Welcome, everyone. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio, and you are listening to The 1% Christian. This is where we take 1% of our day and do a Bible study, pray together, get a little worship in, reflect on the attributes of God, and set off to do something really good with the remaining 99%. I'm glad that you're joining me today. I hope that you uh, enjoyed yesterday's first recording, and uh, we're going to keep this going. If I hope you have your Bibles ready. Uh, We're going to jump into uh, John 1, starting with verse 15. Uh, By the way, if you want to download a free digital Bible, just go to soh.church, or you can go to your Apple or Android stores and uh, just type in Sound of Heaven. We've got an awesome app that's got a lot of good resources, uh, one of them being a digital Bible, and it is absolutely free. So uh, let's get going, okay? Um, John 1, starting with, actually, let's not start with verse 15, okay? I'm going to pull that back. Let's go ahead and go back to uh, a scripture that we went through yesterday, and that is John 1, 6, and then we'll uh, go ahead and and move forward. Uh, Yesterday uh, in our study, it was uh, John the Baptist was introduced. It says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. So interestingly enough here, uh, we see that uh, John the Baptist himself was not the light, but he came to bear witness to the light. If you remember yesterday, the attribute of God that we touched on is that God is light and he's light because when he, he shines in the dark places, the darkness can't withstand it. And the fact that he is the light, and Jesus is the light, that means that you and I get the opportunity to be the light. So why was John the Baptist not the light? And it's it's uh, an interesting question. It's because John the Baptist uh, was operating during a time that was considered the Old Covenant. See, I want to I want to just jump into what the uh, what the Bible is here for a second to clarify some things. Okay. If you ask somebody what the Bible is, they may say, "Oh, it's a love story between man and God." And I get that, and that's a that's a cute way of saying it. Uh, but what the Bible really is is a collection of books. I'm not going to get into how many. Uh, I've got my own thoughts on that, but uh, a lot of Christians want to go, you know, bicker about that. Um, but it's a collection of books written over 1,600 years, 40 different authors, all pointing toward Jesus. And why pointing toward Jesus is because God was establishing a new covenant. So when you look at the Old Testament and then the New Testament, what you really see is the old covenant between man and God. And then the New Testament is the new covenant or promise or agreement. That's what a covenant is, right? Uh, Between man and God that was established through Jesus. So to give you a little background about John the Baptist, John the Baptist is Jesus's cousin. Okay. Uh, And it was prophesied by Isaiah that when the Messiah, the anointed one, was to come and save all of God's people, which now we know is everybody, that there would be a voice in the wilderness that would cry out. There would be somebody who would kind of pave the way with the message 
for the Messiah to come. So you have John the Baptist who's out there in the in the desert, right? It says uh, in scripture that he was out in the desert, that he was uh, a peculiar guy. He he uh, wore camel hair and ate locusts. Okay, so you want to talk about being dedicated. Imagine standing out in the desert with uh, wearing camel hair. Can you imagine the chafing? Oh, my God. Uh, But uh, what's interesting is Scripture also tells us is that those of us that are least in the kingdom of God are greater than John the Baptist. So you can say, hey, I'm greater than John the Baptist, uh, and you don't even have to wear camel hair. But uh, no, the reason behind that is because John the Baptist was operating before the establishment of the new promise between man and God. I hope that uh, makes sense. You could always uh, email me or reach out to me at soh.church if you have uh, any uh, additional uh, questions on that. But uh, so let's dive in. We're going to jump now to uh, where we're picking up from yesterday. Uh, Verse 15, it says, John bore witness about him and cried out. This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For, For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So as they're operating in the old covenant and all these people are are there and they're seeing John and John is out there in the wilderness saying, repent, repent, right? And we we don't like that word repent, Uh, but actually what it means, here's what repentance means. This is it. It's not the guy telling you you're going to go to hell standing on the corner, okay? Repentance simply means I'm going to turn away from the things that are destroying my life. And anything that is not of God is causing some form of decay in your life, right? The more we can align with God, the more that his life, his light is going to shine through us. When there are things in our life that don't align with God, they cause some, they cause loss, they cause you know, things. And, and it says here in verse 17, that for law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the father's side. He has made him known. So John the Baptist, he's out there and he's starting to preach saying, Hey, the Messiah is coming. Now's the time to start shifting your mindset. And that's what repentance is, right? It's turning away from, uh, from things. So literally imagine yourself, uh, walking towards something or, or walking with something and saying, you know what, I'm going to leave it here. I'm going to walk the other way. And that's what repentance is. It's not, it's not some scary, uh, you know, you, you, you're going to hell. It's basically changing the direction of your life. And all of us have areas of our life where we can change uh, a bit of direction. Okay. So, Let's move on here to verse 19. Let me put this a little bit bigger on my screen here so I can see it. It says, and this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem. The Levites were the the priests, right? Uh, To ask him, who are you? And that's what happens a lot of times when you when you kind of stick your neck out and and do things that uh, are are shaking things up a little bit. 
you're going to get people around you to say, who is this person? Who's this guy? Who's this, who's this lady? And John the Baptist in verse 20, he says he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And this whole time, everybody's looking for the Messiah. If you realize what's happening historically, uh, Rome is over Jerusalem and they are allowed to operate, uh, you know, and, and practice their religion. But Rome is very much holding a thumb over them, and and uh, they are waiting for a Messiah, for a king, for Messiah meaning anointed one, an anointed one to come, just like King David, to, to uh, lead an army and lead a charge that's going to free them from Rome and free them from all their earthly enemies and destroy them like previous kings. And that's not what God had in mind. But they're excited. They're thinking that their that their general is coming, so they go out to John the Baptist and they and they say, you know, who are you? Are you the Messiah? And he says, No, I'm not. And then they ask him, All right, well then, are you Elijah? He says, I am not. He says, Are you the prophet? And he answered, No, the prophet, not a prophet. Are you the prophet? He says, No. So th- so they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? In 23, it says, he says, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight for the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. So John the Baptist is saying, you know, I'm not all these great things. See, they revered Elijah as, I'm not going to say they necessarily worshipped him, but they certainly elevated Elijah, which can be found in the Old Testament, the, the Old Testament prophet. They elevated him above, above everything else. And this is what religion likes to do a lot of times. And I'm not bashing religion, but, but this is what we like to do in our own traditions. We like to elevate people over other people. We like to elevate the individual. Sometimes we like to elevate the church organization itself. And we want to point to that. And that's a lot of times why when, when people fall, which they will, imperfect, when organizations fall, which they will, because they're imperfect, we go ahead and blame God. We want to, we want to you know, uh, love and worship God through the lens of, of you know, people and organizations. It's not, the way to, it's not the way to go. And I want to move on to uh, verse 24. Now, and it says, now they had been uh, fr- sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, then why are you baptizing if you're neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? And John answered, I baptize you with water, but among you, st- uh, st- but among you stands one that you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I'm not even worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across from the Jordan, where John was baptizing. And this is where I want to hit on the attribute for today that we're going to focus on. And it's through uh, the example of, of John the Baptist, who when everybody around him, they saw what he was doing, they, they saw what he was operating in, and they were waiting for this earthly uh, you know, king and this earthly solution. And John the Baptist said, no, no, no. 
I know what I'm doing is having an impact, but there is someone that's greater. There's something that's greater. And that is the attribute of God, that God is greater. He's greater than me. He's greater than you. And by saying God, he's God, by saying God is greater, we're not putting ourselves down. We're properly aligning ourselves because a lot of times we can think about our own talents, abilities, or we think that God is, is distant from us. We know, or we know he's greater, but we think it's all on us. And we think it's all by our own strength. But the bottom line is, is that you and I have our limitations. And at the end of what you can do begins the infinite possibility of all that God can do. So when we realize today that God is greater, he's greater than us, we realize we're not limited by our own limitations, by our own flaws. And thank God for that. Thank God we can accomplish more. He's greater than anyone that you follow. He's greater than any teacher that you could follow. He's greater than any organization. He's greater than we can ever imagine. But he's also greater than your struggles. And with this last minute, that's what I want to kind of hit on. I'm, I'm going to say something that may sound counter to anything anybody's ever told you. You may have heard the phrase that God, that God never gives you anything that you can't handle. And I want to tell you today that that is false. That is false. It is false that God never gives you anything that you can't handle. There are things in your life that but by your own power, you're not going to be able to handle. I want to shift that mindset today. That God will never give you anything that he can't handle. Because he's greater than your struggle. He's greater than your challenges. And it's when we come to realize this, that we realize that because God is greater and because with him all things are possible, right? What did Jesus say? He says, with man, there are these things that are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So that's our meditation and reflection as we hit on this 1% of our day and we, we close out here, is that God is greater. He's greater than anything that you can imagine. And that's why in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes about the new covenant. He says, listen, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor mind has ever even fathomed the things that are in store for those who love the Lord. It's because when you take your imperfections and then you begin to trust the perfection of God, you realize that all things are possible. So I want to pray with you today. As we reflect on the fact that God is greater, as you go into your world today, if you go, as you go out of your homes and to your jobs and to your different places, when you encounter challenges, realize that God is greater than that challenge. When you encounter the temptation to put yourself down and say that you can't do something, realize that greater is he who is in you than that is, than he that is in the world. Greater is he inside of you, and because God is inside of you, all things are possible. So let's pray together. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, thank you for this study today. Thank you. 
thank you. That no matter what we encounter today, that you are greater than that thing. And that if we would just rely on you, that we can get through it. Not only will we get just get through this day, but we'll do it in a way that's greater than we could ever imagined. Because you are with us in Jesus' mighty name. Well, I went over time again a little bit today. I hope you forgive me. Give me some grace there. Uh, we're going to aim for as close to the 1% of the day as possible. Uh, we're at about 16 minutes and 40 seconds here. But, uh, but I, I thank you. My name is uh, Pastor Jason D'Ambrosio. I'm of Sound of Heaven Church in uh, Deer Park, New York. And you're listening to the 1% Christian. As you head out today, just remember, God is greater than anything you can encounter. And if he is for you, there is nothing that can be successful against you. We'll see you tomorrow.